and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry, and this is episode 30. Wow, this is amazing. Episode number 30. I've not I've not really done celebrations properly, especially in the last year, um, but it's amazing to have reached 30 editions of this podcast, considering originally I never really meant for it to be a regular thing that I was going to do a lot. I, I did wonder whether I'd ever actually do a full year of it, but here now at the end of the second year of the podcast almost um it just it just feels absolutely amazing i've been doing this since god this is it feels crackers to genuinely I, i'm i'm just only just thinking about this now that i'm actually i i'm coming up to two years two years oh, it'll be january um uh, in 2018 it must have been was it oh god anyway either way it, this is this is something else so I'm, I'm very glad that you're here listening to me um again thanks very much for joining uh in in entmoot world it's certainly been a, a roller coaster ride this year but um yeah so uh, it's an odd odd episode but actually the first tournament yes that's right the first tournament uh we're gonna have pretty much until the end of the year. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, at the very least the end of the year. Hopefully uh, that joke still makes sense when you uh, listen to this podcast. I'm releasing it at the end of 2020, um, which, to be fair, there have been a few tournaments um, during the course of this year. I mean, we've had some crackers uh, out of the uh, course of the year. Now, what do we have? We had Masters and Commanders, which was great fun. Uh, that was in March, where we I doubled up. Uh, we went to Ripon in... Oh, when was that? That would have been... I don't know when that was. Anyway, it must have been February, I think. Something like that. And yeah, so lots of cool episodes, lots of cool uh, things, uh, lots of good tournaments that we've been to. But it's it's, it's going to be good to get our teeth back into a, a tournament. I'll explain it how later on in the podcast. But of course, there's the, all the usual things coming up on the programme as well. We'll build an army. Uh, 300 points this time. Very exciting. Um, we'll also have a look, uh, delve into the archives and do the riddles in the dark. Uh, there's lots and lots of different stuff that we're going to do into that. I will delve into your emails as well um i apologize for the delay in in uh, releasing another episode of Entmoot. of course uh, if you're in the uk you'll understand completely why um but uh, we had a big lockdown we had some other stuff and also if you are a fan of the, the youtube channel uh, battle games in middle earth my youtube channel which this was technically a branch of originally see get the uh, branch see what i did there um this was uh, this was meant to be an offshoot see what I did there, of this, uh, of, of Battle Games of Middle Earth YouTube channel. And if you've watched that recently, you may have come across the 24-hour live stream that I did um, all about um, Middle Earth Strategy Battle Game, Raise Money for Charity. It's all on there. If you want to watch back, there's literally, there's about 24 hours of content. There's a few breaks. So actually, it's probably more like 23, 45 or something like that. But either way, there's a lot of content on there. Lots and lots of amazing people talking. Um, so yeah, it's, it's and lots of nonsense as well uh, during the course of 24 hours i got a bit whappy towards the end but anyway um so yeah that's what i've been planning and spending most of my time doing and i hope that was valuable uh, to middle earth strategy battle game fans out there but i know you really like the uh, podcast and if you're downloading this again thank you very much so without uh, much further ado let's crack on and get into the episode do the riddles in the dark do all that sort of stuff and we've got some interviews coming up as well uh, but first we need to build an army because this time finally we're doing a tournament. Build me an army worthy of Mordor. 
So uh, the tournament is uh, going to remain nameless for the moment because uh, that might ruin it um, uh, for, for some of you uh, or how I'm going to do this. So I'm going to keep it mysterious, although I think maybe... No, I won't call the title of the episode... I was almost thinking I'm probably going to call the title of the episode the this, but I won't. I won't call it that because that would ruin the surprise. So... Um, Anyway, let's just crack on with the army list because this is always a good bit and I know people love this sort of stuff. So um, the tournament I'm going to is 300 points. Yeah, I know. This is different. This is unusual. This is slightly exciting and slightly different. Um, I I think the least or the lowest um, points tournament I've been to in the podcast will be um will be oh i don't know cardiff probably cardiff um which i don't even know i went to on the podcast i don't think i did actually that would have been before the podcast started so i've actually never been to a, a tournament this low and that one was 400 uh, or 450 or something like that um and war in reading was something like 500 or f- i don't know it was a weird one it was like 550 points or something stupid um anyway that one that was good. I enjoyed that. It was quite low points, but uh, that was the one where I took the uh, couple of the Nazgul of Dol Guldur and some uh, and a couple of the Castellans of Dol Guldur and a load of hobbits. I think this time I was thinking three hundred points. This is really unusual. Um, I've never really thought about an army in a competitive way for this points level because usually it's just about beginners. It's about you know showing people the ropes, getting a few guys on the table, and helping the person you're playing or yourself understand the rules of certain models and whatnot. Um, and in fact, that's that's kind of the the closest comparison to me is playing the slow grow league um, with people in my local area uh, where we do 200 points, then 400. Um, and those are great great limits, actually. I really quite like playing at 200 points, but 300 bit different. So, with that in mind, I didn't quite know how to build the army. I thought I could go with a mega hero, but the restrictions at this tournament mean you have to have a minimum of four models. So, essentially, so that your army can always be quartered um, and halved uh, for breakpoints and, and uh, scenario ends and all that sort of stuff without having to kill the whole army. So, it, I guess it stops people bringing a dragon or whatever, which I thought, oh, that's a bit disappointing. But hey ho, these things happen. So, and um, I did toy toy with the idea of um, doing Treebeard with the two hobbits on and then allying something else. Um, but I couldn't think of something that really fit the points limit. So that, that went out the window. But I think that would have been quite a tempting prospect because it's kind of a cheeky way of putting Merry and Pippin on there uh, and getting a couple of very very hard to kill cheap models in but anyway that was one of the ideas the other one was the uh war mummock of uh the sorry what do you call it the uh war le- mummock war leader but i i can't remember the cost of it and um i feel like that would have just been a bit mean actually so i didn't go with that either but i wanted to go with something that would compete would be powerful enough to uh, you know endure at uh, at 300 points but also kind of dominate and not struggle to get in into anything um, and I was looking around at the army lists and I thought you know what I don't have uh, you know what I've never played um, I've never played as Numenorians. I've got loads of Numenorians. I've got them all I've got piles and piles and piles and piles of these plastic Numenorian men, men of Gondor um, from the old sprues and I've acquired a few army bundles in a while over the years trying to find uh, discount metal models and stuff and um i've just kept them all because i thought well eventually i'll get there so i thought well let's have a go let's have a go at my uh, a numenorian army army finally so i started with um 
what I think is probably a great choice for this. Um, it's a sealed door with a horse, a ring, and a shield for 135 points. So, um, and I thought, here's the logic, right? He's he's a high fight value hero. He's good. He's strength five. He's good. He's got some good. Uh, he's got some good stats behind him, um, and he's a bit of a, so he's a bit of a killer, really. I mean, look at him. He's, he's fight six. He's strength five. Defense seven plus one for the shield. So he's defense eight. Three attacks, three wounds, courage six, plus one for the bonus. I think they get like a bonus plus one for the army list. That's right. I just flip the page. Yeah, you get one. Um, and and you know he's got three might, two will, not bad, and two fate, pretty good. Um, for, for a leader at that, and he's, he's a bargain. Like I haven't really considered him before, but 135 points for that guy, amazing. And of course he gets a horse, so he's good. Uh, the shield's fine, and um, uh, the ring, of course, of course. So for 135 points, why do I not see him on the tables like all the time? What's going on here? This is amazing. This is amazing stat line. Um, and also he gets bloody resistance to magic. So that's that's amazing. So that's good because of the blood of Numenor rule, which, by the way, if you've never really um, scrutinised it, includes the words Anarion in there. So it says, a model with a special rule gains a resistant to magic special rule whilst they're within six inches of Elendil, Isildur or Anarion. No Anarion profile. So this is when I asked J. Clare, the rules writer, um, whether, uh, whether Anarion was meant to be included in this stat line. Uh, was that a mistake or was that uh, correct at the time he answered Yes, that's meant to be in there. It was correct at the time, but things changed. Uh, so there you go. So there must be a, a, a Last Alliance supplement on the way. Maybe, maybe GW have the rights to the uh, new series. Anyway, uh, we won't move on because we speculate less on this podcast than, than uh, in other ways. So uh, I'll leave that to all the newsy folk like Zorpa Zorp and all that sort of stuff. So uh, let me see. So we've got him. Okay, 135 points. Ace. Great start. Fight five, uh, fight six, strength five, defense eight, hero, with three attacks, three wounds, and three might. So cool. Um, and I thought, what do we do here? Do I just, do I just max it out? And I thought, no. You know what I want to do? I want to put a captain of Numenor in there because here's my thought. My thought process was, Isildur is a killer. Put him next to another killer, and it's going to be pretty good. We're going to have a great. We're going to have a really good fighting force. They're going to be able to kill a lot of stuff at this points level. So that's what I did. I did that. I, I gave a captain um, with a horse, a lance, armor, and shield. So we're talking defense seven guy. Oh no, it's defense eight again, isn't it? Because it's heavy armor that you're upgrading with. Amazing. Oh no, no, he already has armor, so it is defense seven. So defense seven. So I'm getting all over the place. Good job. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> good job. We're, we're, there's a reason that I'm saying good job, but I won't quite reveal it just yet. Um, Captain of Numenor. Let's see. Where were we? Horse, lance, armor, shield, defense seven, strength four, fight five. Two attacks, two wounds, courage four, decent. Two might, one will, one fate. So a pretty decent um, hero. He gets the resistance of magic, so he's good. He's got a couple of points of might. He's pretty high strength. He's got a lance, a lance, a killer on the horse. That's pretty good. And he's fight five. That's not bad for a captain. Um, 75 points. So that's 210, which leaves uh, room four, 10 warriors of Numenor with shields. So they're eight points each, plus a shield each. That is nine points each now of course you might say why didn't you do five with spear five with shield i figured at this points level um you're going to want those shield guys to be doing a lot of work you ca- you can't really be holding up a shield line and if it's five deep uh, if it's five sort of wide that 
that's going to be useless. That shield wall is not going to be very good at all. So I thought a 10 long line, they can shield if they need to. And basically the job of this army is a sealed door and the captain to run forward, uh, choose the right moment, hit something on the flanks, call a heroic combat each, or maybe charge something, call a heroic combat, smash into some more stuff, kill a few more things. And then hopefully by the po- that point, maybe if you've already marched in, you've got the warriors uh, already in there or something like that. Um, those guys have got an extra turn uh, may they've got maybe one turn when they're surrounded or or near that nearabouts that and um or they could charge stuff call heroic combats jump out having killed stuff and wait for the sort of to recharge again but anyway the whole point is those do the damage and then the warriors of numenor come in once once the sort of the cut lines properly clash and the warriors can then just shield hold up some space engage the the enemy strength four defense uh, you know fight four you know defense five that's not bad defense five's not great but it's not bad either i mean really they should be defense six one of the defense five i don't know but anyway that's that's by the by so that's the plan that's the plan that's the army uh, this is this is good we've got some killers i mean the downside of course there's no banner uh and i did wonder about that but anyway we'll yeah we'll talk about that later in the podcast i'm sure how does it fare we shall find out when we go on an adventure later but first riddles of the dark yes we come to it now the great quiz of our time um yes this is this is uh, been a while god it's been ages since um i announced the last uh, riddle of the in the dark um god i think it was early november so apologies it's been ages since last podcast so i, I really I, I really do apologize for that having said that um those extra um weeks have given plenty of people a chance to get in touch for riddles in the dark and i think it's a bumper bumper week in terms of guesses so this is what the last episode's riddle sounded like hmm tricky so let's have a run through the emails and the contacts uh here at entmootpodcast at gmail.com uh this is where you can send anything really you can send me messages you can send me uh, insults uh, you can send me comments you can send me ideas for lists or uh, whatever or just just say hello i listen to the podcast i'm not very good at the riddle and that but by god do i like to um listen or whatever or you know the opposite and say i really 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 am good at this uh, riddles in the dark and i don't like the rest of the podcast but by god do i listen just for that or whatever combination of the above so Let's let's have a look at some of the emails. So we've got Aaron Sustar who's getting in touch. He says, Hello from Melbourne, Australia, Harry. We've just come out of a hard lockdown here. But while in lockdown, I've listened from episode one all the way to having just finished listening to episode 29 as I type. Amazing. I'd like to thank you for all the efforts you've put into the podcast. As someone who's never been to an SBG tournament yet and was hoping 2020 would be my year, sorry about that, um, to start attending, I really enjoyed your reporting style. Let's hope the whole world can play SBG in a safe manner in the near future. Keep up the good work. Aaron Sustar, thank you very much. No guess for the riddles in the dark, but that's okay, Aaron. Um, I'm guessing if you've listened to all of them in a row, you just knew all of them anyway, straight away, and you didn't bother emailing because that would take you too long. Uh, either way aaron thanks very much for listening and for your kind words on that um really appreciate it and i'd like to know that there are good friends down in australia because eventually i'll come and i'll do some uh tournamenting down in australia well let's have a bit more on that later anyway uh, uh aiden or uh, i i think it's aiden Aden, arden maybe a a d a n rigby 
Nice to nice to talk to you, Aidan. This is great. Uh, hello again, Harry. I'm trying again. Hopefully this time my email works. Last time I emailed was for the Barlins Tomb Riddle, and you got my name correctly. Oh, crumbs. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what I said last time, Aidan or Arden, so I'm going to stick with Arden. Uh, or Aidan? Anyway, strange spelling and all. Yes, I do apologise. The reason you got no response last time is because the riddles are so bloody difficult. <laughs> when it was for pity's sake, Boromir won, I actually watched all the movies again with the clip on my phone. I even remember stopping it for that scene, but for whatever reason, concluded it was not the same scene. Then I gave up. Heaven forbid I go watching 12 hours of a movie and then the clip is something from The Hobbit. Yeah, fair enough. All that said, I hesitate for crit- to critique you for making them too difficult. But this time, without watching anything, I thought, I think I know where that is. So I looked the scene up. Kazadum. When the fellow is encircled by Moria goblins and the Balrog arrives, Gimli grunts first, but the first person to say anything is Boromir with... What is this new devilry? There you go. YouTube is terrible for people. Terrible for people cutting bits from the scene. So hopefully, I did not miss something. Yes, that does happen. I love the episode. I've been wanting to get my wife to play with me, but I don't want to do head-to-head stuff. Uh, careful the way you phrase that sentence. Uh, so narrative is the way to go. These reviews of the scenarios are great for me, giving ideas of what to do. Yes, uh, last episode we did the first uh, few ep- uh, scenarios in Quest of the Ringbearer. Um, eventually, we'll get back to them. I'm sure when I'm allowed to. In- entertain anyway uh, I've been trying to contrive some type of battle company's narrative cooperative thing to do with her she plays Pathfinder and D&D and also a tiny bit of painting with me so I just have to find a way to entice her keep up the good work I listen to several MESBG podcasts but in my opinion you have the best radio voice by a large margin don't let them overtake you in episodes <laughs> oh that's a lovely message a lovely message and buried in there somewhere uh, was an answer to Riddle in the Dark but you've probably forgotten it, what it was now so uh, I don't think I already played the clip but anyway uh, there you go that's the riddles in the dark answer from last time and thanks very much to Aidan or Arden for getting in touch Richard Unwin he's been back in touch and I thought that you might be related to um, uh, Alan and Sir Stanley Unwin and Alan Unwin but uh, maybe you're not let's read it hi Harry hope all is well and you're enjoying lockdown 2.0 as best you can I didn't have a clue on the last riddles in the dark to be honest AMS cloak that's some next level film knowledge yeah I think I said the swishing of AMS cloak in the background was a clue, but it really isn't. However, now that you've dialed back the difficulty, I reckon I've got this one. I reckon the next line is from the Hobbit trilogy, and is Legolas saying, These bats are bred for one purpose. For war! Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Keep up the good work with the podcast and Riddles in the Dark. It's great to listen to, particularly as getting a game in these days isn't really possible. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, oh, and to answer your question from a couple of podcasts ago, I'm not related to St- Sir Stanley Unwin of Alan and Unwin fame, although who knows, perhaps he's a very distant relation. There you go. Thanks, Richard. So, yeah, that, uh, that's, uh, yes, yeah, if you don't know Alan and Unwin, the people who published the Lord of the Rings originally, uh, maybe The Hobbit as well, I think both. Uh, so there you go. Uh, he had a guess in there from Legolas, I think his guess was. Thanks very much for getting in touch again, Richard. Uh, Dan Boxo, regular uh, contact right here on the podcast. Hello, Harry. Again, I'm stumped by this episode riddle. Maybe I need to watch all the films again as I'm slipping. Yes, you do. Side question for, for you, as though, as I know it's been a while since most of us played much at all. Oh, this is interesting. Do you think that the more legendary legions come out, that they will kind of take over? I think they're a great thing, but can shoehorn you into a certain build. Is that the clever idea that we? Is it? Is that the clever idea that we all have multiples of them? Interested to hear your thoughts on them. Um, I think I get the general gist of what you're saying there, Dan. Uh, no answer to the riddles and dark. That's fine. <laughs> Maybe I am making them too hard. I thought I had a load of emails here to go through with answers, but anyway. And in answer to your question. 
I don't know. It's it's really tricky because um, I like Legendary Legions in the sense that they make thematic armies more powerful. They're better. You know, you, Riders of Rohan, which were crap at one point, they're now good. The breaking of the Fellowship has made the the Fellowship of the Ring army that I have played with a number of times um, in, in these podcasts is made it actually v- viable or at least better, at least more likely to uh, not struggle in uh, tournament games. Um, and, you know, there's other stuff like the Ring Wraiths that I've, again, run um, as a fun, not a fun thematic, thematic army at Seven Stones. Now has the potential for being really horrible as a really hard game. Um <sighs> There are plenty that aren't very good, though. Um, there are lots that haven't been used, so I guess there's that. Are they the Are they great? Does it shoehorn you into a certain build? Yeah, I think it does. I think it's encouraging people to build certain armies in certain ways, which, as a game player, I dislike. I'll be honest. I like... I like that I have the choice to build thematic armies when, you know, when there's no legendary legions, if there was no legendary legions, as we were at the start, I could build thematic armies that I knew were a little underpowered, but I knew that I was having fun because I was taking a thematic army. Whereas now, I'm I'm coming up against more and more of the same sort of things, or was, um, and I think it will increasingly happen. We're more likely to come up against the same stuff, and it makes that once level playing field a little bit less level and i like seeing people's crazy combinations i genuinely do when some people say oh you've just got a shade and the goblin king or you've just got spider queen and shadow lord and nonsense or whatever it is um or even like lady of light uh, or boromir uh, fellowship boromir thrown into random armies like those sorts of things don't really bother me that much Yes, I love taking theme myself, and I love it when people have painted armies really nicely, but when I go and play a game, I just want to have fun a fun game. Um, if I want to play the scenarios, I'll play the scenarios. You know, I, If I want to have a thematic matchup, I'll, I'll ask for a thematic matchup, or I'll, I'll you know, go, and go, do, go to thematic tournaments, which I do. You know, but when people come up with kooky ideas for competitive armies, I don't really care. Um, and I have a feeling... I, I, I just worry that the, the, the more the things go down this way, the Legendary Legion stuff, the more they will maybe take over, like you say, Dan. I, and I, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm concerned about it, but it's, it's something that I think the writers should definitely keep an eye on because otherwise the game will become a little bit... I don't know, it could become a bit repetitive because the great, the great thing about you know these armies the great thing about this game is that it's very flexible or it was very flexible that you can can sort of smash anything together and make it all all fit and i i think it's a difficult balance to find somewhere in the middle of theme and filth and combinations and you find and, and people love doing that and i think it's great fun seeing people going yeah what about this horrible combination you can put i don't know lady of light into this army and it's amazing or you can drop the spider queen in because she's a really overpowered model whatever whatever the the combination stuff is i like it and i think there's an element that the 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 way the rules are going it seems to be slowly crushing those sorts of things out of it and also the downside of all these things is is that people maybe are less less or more reluctant to take thematic sort of swapping armies so um if you've watched zorpa zorp gaming and i'm sure you've heard of it if you're listening to me um watch the latest video Lockie's done um or latest couple of videos about the um army his son of thengil riders of thengil or whatever he calls him um which is a great great army and i would be worried that if he uh, if the 
rules basically restricted stuff so that you can't ally Aragorn into uh, whatever or something along those lines um, Then, and it restricted things only to the exact stuff in the books that you can't have that creativity that perhaps you have before um, or, or you certainly do at the moment have a little bit of flexibility with um, so yeah that's kind of I mean, a, a bit of a rambly answer there to your question Dan but yeah I think the problem is that, that Games Workshop wants us to keep buying books and they realise that there's a good thread of people who will keep buying books to play the competitive game to keep up to date with it and that's probably going to continue um, so they won't stop doing that and they know that I don't think if, if they just released a book that said this is just scenarios and there's nothing new in it for competitive gamers I don't think it would sell anywhere near as well so um yeah, I guess that's not really an answer. In But there you go, there's some of my thoughts. I'd be interested to hear what you think. And actually, I would genuinely be interested in um, what, what other questions people have. This is exactly what I open this segment up for. It's not just riddles in the dark, it's answers in the dark. It's questions, it's, it's hearing comments from you. So, um, Dan, thanks very much for that. It's a really good point, uh, really good point and really interesting. And hopefully legendary legions don't take over and there's still flexibility in the game but that people have the choice to take those thematic legendary legions and aren't forced to do them by a steady power creep. Thanks very much for your message. Right, uh, Bloodbought Sun. Uh, let's see. Uh, now, this is uh, this is Joe. Hello, Joe. Hi. Uh, yes, we've spoken before. He's been on the podcast. Joe is on the podcast, uh, and he's been a, a legend before uh, teaching. He's getting very new into the game, but getting very into it. Um, he said, I heard that only one person responded to the last riddle. I'm hoping more will throw in. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. He said, I'm raking my loin. Lo- loin? Don't rake your loin. Uh, I'm raking my lawn right now, so I'm catching up, he says. I'm going to say Saruman was the next to speak. Hmm. Got to get back to raking and listening. There you go. Saruman. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I think that's the last of them. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so there you go. Oh, actually, I've got one from Carlos, which is all about Entmoot being the one of the highest performing um, podcasts in Luxembourg. Hey, there you go. According to podstatus.com. It's probably advertising pod status and not actually a listener. But if you are a listener, Carlos, thanks very much. Um, and also, I've got one more message from... Uh, Adam Sirens or Sirens um, finally on Patreon I think I know a riddle in the dark oh hello uh, moving house this weekend and the drive up from Seville to Barcelona will be much quicker with a combined binge of Entmoot and Green Dragon well Green Dragon have been pumping them out recently and they're absolutely epic so um, the fact you cut off the clip really really quick makes me think it's the Warbat scene from the Hobbits film with Tariel saying something in Elvish and Legolas's blue steel responses the, these bats are bred for one purpose Ah, that's the second person to say it. I already have been taunted in games with Krebane, which for me only go down to traps from charging knights of Minas Tirith. Yeah. So more flying models are always welcome to the SPG scene with a sort of angry face or something. Keep up the good work, Adam Sirens. Or Sirens. So, Adam, thank you very much for getting in touch. And you were a lot later than everyone else. So um, I delayed the podcast just just for you, just so your response was included. Uh, no, that's not really the case. But uh, yeah, I agree. The. the, the w- go- w- Gundabad Warbats will be an amazing addition to the game. They're great. I've played against them before, actually. Um, I, I'm trying to think which one it would be. The Scaring of something. I'm trying to think. Anyway, whichever one it is, have a look back through the podcast. There's a scaring episode and there's some t- uh, stuff in there. But yeah, let's find out what the actual answer to the riddles in the dark was. Here's the full clip. These bats are bred for one purpose. For war. 
So there you go, it was indeed Legolas and uh, an army bred for a single purpose, uh, war, which I must say is one of those just terrible, terrible lines from the Hobbit movies. Um, It's one of those lines that if it was written by anyone other than the same people who wrote the Lord of the Rings trilogy, you'd just say, that's just crap, it's just stealing a line and trying to sound like the Lord of the Rings script. Um, You know, it's exactly that almost identical to that line where uh, in I think it's the two towers where they say this is an army bred for a single purpose to destroy the world of men and you're like uh, okay let's just copy and paste that but swap out men for war and it's like ugh these bats are bred for it's just uh, anyway but of course people uh, did get it right well done to you guys who did get it correct this time uh, i did try and give you a little, a little bit more of a teasy clue um about it as well and hopefully the linking it in with the release of the week made it a bit easier for uh, for everyone I, although i suppose because it's been a month and a half if you listen to it somewhere during the last few weeks then i'd imagine it was a lot harder for you to do that but anyway there you go um i hope you did well and I hope you enjoyed uh, having a guess at that. With that in mind, let's try for another riddle in the dark. So again, all you have to do is listen to this clip and then uh, work out where it is in the movies, uh, what's happening, and then who you think says the next line and what they say, of course. So with that in mind, have a listen to this. Hmm, interesting, interesting. I think that there are some background noises there that make this very easy. But I actually think the line you'll uh, you'll really struggle with. I think you'll get the character pretty easily. But I think you might be tricked because uh, it sounds very similar to another instance where this character says something similar. So uh, have, think about that and have a listen again. Okay, there you go. One more time. Right, there you go. So if you think you know who speaks next and what they say, uh, then get in touch. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. That's entmootpodcast at gmail.com. And while you're at it, and this goes for everyone, including you, um, if you're if you're not good at the riddles in the dark and you don't want to get in touch via riddles in the dark or you find it too difficult, feel free to send me an email answering this question it's not for any particular reason but i'm just i just want to get some more uh, more of your comments more of your thoughts and feedback in the episode so it'd be really nice to hear from you about what is your new year's hobby resolution so is that painting a certain army is it painting more is it buying less and painting more of what you've got and um, i'm really interested i'd love to hear what people are thinking are you going to have a go at the hobby bingo uh, which i found that i i've uh, if you listen to the Entmoot live stream on the Battle Games in Middle Earth uh, YouTube channel, um, you'll have heard that I, I actually have done very well in that. I, I somehow managed to get all but one or two, I think, of the last year's hobby bingo. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm intrigued. What is your New Year's hobby resolution? Uh, my hobby resolution is to be more consistent in delivering output for you guys, because um, I know there are a lot of supporters out there who uh, who really enjoy when I release content, but it's so slapdash. I sometimes release painting miniature videos. I sometimes release, uh, you know, I do the Entmoot Live thing. I've started doing that anyway. I did the charity thing, but um, I'd like to be more consistent and maybe even have a plan for what 
days or weeks or whatever I can do it and try and stick to that plan because I'm a bit slapdash and disorganized and I know you don't mind because ultimately uh, if you enjoy this content you'll enjoy it whenever it arrives but um, I'm just wanting to make it a little bit more easy to expect so that you can go oh okay I know that something is coming along the down the track so um, you know that that's that's what I'm aiming for <laughs> we'll see whether it happens I don't think I've ever successfully completed a new year's resolution but I'm going to try so uh, let me know entmootpodcast at gmail.com what is your hobby new year's resolution or new year's hobby resolution or whatever you want to call it uh, and also who do you think speaks next in the riddles in the dark if you're a guesser for that um, okay with that in mind it's now time for the first tournament of 2021, even though it happened in 2020. Uh, and I think the start of the episode was talking about this being released in the... Uh, uh, it's still in 2020. But anyway, let's start it as we mean to go on. This 20, It's 2021 now. Tournaments are going to start happening uh, in the next six months, we hope. Uh, certainly, I'd imagine three months, but uh, we'll see, we'll see. But either way, I decided... I was actually invited by uh, a listener of the podcast and uh, a member of the uh, community in Australia. They invited me, David Leonard this is, to take part in a tournament in Australia. I know, that's amazing. That's really cool and really friendly and nice and generous of them. But they did say, look, I understand what with everything going on, you might not be able to attend. And I said, yes, that is very true. This might be tricky. He said, yeah, but guess what? I'm willing to be the proxy. We're not allowed that many people at this tournament anyway, so I have to take part because uh, the restrictions on numbers. And he said, why not? Why not? You could take part by proxy. I will play an army of your design and you, and, uh, and I will see how it fares and you can tell me how to run it and all that sort of stuff. What do you think? And I said, you know what? That's a great idea. So, with that in mind, we're going to go down to Minimize in Australia. Um, so, uh, first of all, I did, in- I did get some interviews with uh, David Lennon, Leonard, uh, but one of them has gone missing. Uh, I don't know what happened to it. This was the intro one um, where we established all of the stuff that I've just said, and it was a very nice, friendly chat. I, I don't know what's happened to it. It got corrupted somehow, uh, which is a rarity. I don't know how this has happened. Anyway, uh, point being, we don't have that chat, but... I do have a chat with um, Kylie, uh, Kylie uh, from the Green Dragon podcast, uh, winner of uh, the sort of Invitational SBG Masters tournament at Articon in 2019, uh, 2019. and um, I, I spoke with her about um, about basically what is minimised and why do people like the such a small points limit, 300 points down in Australia. What we love about it is it's you're more invested in every single model in your army whereas at like a 750 or an 800 you kind of go an orc is an orc mm-hmm. at 300 that orc might be the sole model that can capture an objective every model suddenly becomes precious and there's little room littler room for mistake is another thing as well so you get these really kind of small micro situations really clutch moments simply through you know a one-on-one combat between an elf and an orc suddenly becomes this tense nail biter where you're going oh god if, if this orc can manage to survive this turn i've got this game kind of kind of deals and it can, it can swing on a knife's edge as well uh you'll be surprised what can happen whereas with a 35 model point 35 model army is like you lose five guys in a turn it's like whatever at a at 300 points, you lose five guys. That's probably a 
half to a third of your army just gone in front of you. So you have to really manage what you what you're doing and and uh, how you're playing. But particularly for the new players, it allows them to put what limited models they have on the table and kind of learn slowly, without you know lots of chain heroic actions being thrown around. Lots there's not as much magic rocking around. There's there's less that you have to manage. Um, in terms of like heroes and stuff, you don't have to manage as much might, will, and fate. Yeah. There's a little bit more to kind of, well, not more to do, but there's there's little less thinking you have to kind of really process through. So it's much easier for the, the newer players to get through, and it's, it's always been our kind of ramping tournament to to get to get these these players that might only have 300 points worth of models up to the bigger tournaments where you know we're throwing down 750, 500 point armies, and you know the best of the best are there. Right, so we've heard Kylie explaining why Minimize is such an interesting tournament. At 300 points, very small numbers. We've got, uh, we've got, only got a sealed door on a horse with a shield, uh, an armor, and a ring. I mean, that's going to help. Uh, we've got a captain of Numenor with lance, a shield, horse, lots of power. We've got 10 warriors of Numenor with shields. I think it's time to head down under. So we're on an adventure with the Numenorians. So, um, I decided because Kylie had explained so well how uh, how you know how Minimize is really cool and how it's really good and how uh, she sort of reckoned herself to be the you know top dog on all of, all of this. I thought you know what I'm going to throw down the glove. I'm going to say you know what Kylie I reckon I could beat you, uh, and obviously I couldn't get there, so I had to send in my proxy David. With that in mind, um, we've got a match against Kylie's force. So, we've got an interview here with David and we've got Kylie. So, we've got this is going to be a first rent move. Um, it's kind of a two-way battle report. Um, obviously, usually you'd have my perspective uh, talking about how I feel about how the battle went. Um, but usually I'm kind of, you know, slightly colouring it because I'm standing with the person who um, I'm, I'm, you know, I played. So, and we're being all friendly and nice and all that sort of stuff. So what what's great about um, this, this uh, hopefully, is going to be a bit different, a bit better, um, is that I've done chats or battle reports with uh, each or as many, a couple of few of them anyway, a few of the competitors in uh, from down south, uh, down under. And uh, we're going to hear from both sides of the story. So without much further ado, welcome Entmoot's proxy player, David Leonard, to the field. As you just said, you grudged uh, Kylie for round one, and round one was destroy the supplies. Mm. Uh, due to restricted space, we were playing on three by four boards, which meant the supplies were all really close together. Uh, and we had the bad luck that the TO, don't like that guy, he uh, put us on a woodland board uh, <laughs> versus Kylie's wood elves. So she had a Caliborn, she had a Sentinel, she had, I think, six of the fight, six pikemen, and then just a mm. bunch of other wood elves. Um, so from the start, Harry, you came up with a brilliant plan. Oh, good. Uh, I thought I had, yes. yeah. You sent the captain and his warband down one flank, trying to use their superior speed to just get in amongst the objectives and wreak some havoc. Uh, you knew 
that you were going to be outshot because Kylie had shooting and you did not. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, that's a drawback. But in this case, it meant Kylie was willing to sit back on her closer to her objectives. It allowed you to close the distance, get right up in her face. It was a good, strong, bold move. Uh, well, that's, what I, th- that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, we've got a strong army that wants to launch forward and wreck face. Yes, so it did that quite well. Uh, Isildur and his warband, they pushed forwards as well, but not as far, because there was this giant wood. It was effectively a wood elf highway that mm. extended almost to the middle of the board, and if we pushed past that, the wood elves would get behind us. No good. Uh, so the captain and his mates, they rocked forward, they hit one of the objectives, and they started to stall, because uh, they were up against fight six. It just wasn't looking good for them. They were eventually able to take one of the objectives, but they needed backup. You sent in Isildur and his guys to push in on the centre objective with what was left of the captain's blokes coming in from the side. Catch him in a classic pincer movement. Sounds, sounds wise. Sounds wise. Unfortunately, I really should have uh, brought this up earlier, but I might have erased it from my memory. Uh, mm-hmm. On turn one, your captain took an arrow to the chest. Took a wound. Straight up. Oh... On turn two, your captain took an arrow to the chest, burnt his fate in a might point. Oh, no. um, so it, he, he was able to take that side and start pincering in on the middle, but he wasn't looking all that healthy. Um, Caliborn commits, um, and we have a heroic combat off. Uh, the dice goes to Kylie. Caliborn gets into Zildor's heroic combat. We both roll fours to win the fight. We're both fight six. Kylie has an Elven Blade, but I'm on the charge. If I win this fight, I can put all sorts of damage onto Caliborn. I burn a Might Point, Kylie burns a Might Point, vice versa. Both heroes are now out of Might. Dice is rolled. Kylie wins the fight, nah. unfortunately. Right on the Elven Blade roll, too. No Elven Blade. We would have had it, Harry. It no, really? Closed. So it was, on, it was on the three? Yeah, on the three. Oh, brutal. Um, because that was the turn. If we had got the knockout on Caliborn, uh, we would have swept away that centre objective and it would have been glorious. Um, as it was, you had a plan B. Right, I did, yeah. I thought so. so, you got the captain, one wound, no fate, and you pushed him as far out the back as possible so none of the elves could get to him. One more turn, if we win priority, he gets across, he gets the third objective. Isildur dismounts, disappears, and he sits on the middle objective. So you're now set up to take out all three objectives. Kylie's behind us. She's going for the objectives, but it's going to be another turn. If we get that priority, if enough of our guys die, it's your game by a landslide. Oh, I'm on tensor hooks. Yes. The Sentinel moves up, targets the captain. The captain, with his plus one courage for being Numenor, just flat fails his courage tests, wanders back, gets killed by fight six elves. Oh. The elves pass their courage test to charge Isildur, and we've got nothing. Most of Kylie's models could shield, because they either had pikes or shields. She she knew what we were up to, I'm afraid. Um, and our guys took forever to die. Kylie took all three of our objectives. We did eventually manage to grind out that center one, but it was two objectives to three her favor. She managed to put a wound on Isildur. We were broken. So it was so close, Harry. 
was oh, so right. close. But... It's it, David. It, it sounds it sounds very close, and and you know it, it all coming down to an Elven blade off, and uh, and that that could that could have made all the difference. So um, I, I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you for for commanding. It sounds like you've done a terrific job, uh, and against a very tough opponent and a tough army as well. At, at three hundred points, um, having having six Galadrim Court and Kelleborn must have been pretty hard hard to face up against. Uh, thank you. That that's what I was worried about. I was I was worried about reporting in and you know being found wanting. So thank you for that. <laughs> well, you're you're most welcome. But look, I'll I'll withhold my judgment until uh, we find out how the next few games go. If I don't want you to have been a complete embarrassment for me. So we've heard David's perspective on the the loss there against Kylie. Um, very magnanimous in defeat, and you know he was quite, uh, you know, quite friendly about it. But obviously uh, disappointed the Entmoot team here a little bit. Um. With that in mind, let's hear from the opposite side of the fence. I'm going to have a chat with Kylie now about how she thought that game went and also a little bit of analysis about my 300-point army list. Round one, I went up against David. He was taking your list. Hey! Yeah, the we did the yeah. match. We were, we were waiting and we were making all sorts of wisecrackers. <laughs> but where's Harry? Is he flight delayed? How is he getting here? Is he, why is he not walked through the door yet kind of stuff? And, um, oh, I wish I could have been there. I think uh, I think you're on the, you're on the money with the Sildor. Sildor is one of those heroes that 300 points is very hard to deal with. The ring is such a really good utility mo- uh, utility piece. You really good piece of war gear there. However, uh, I don't think the captain was uh, what you needed. Uh, okay, so uh, just to, just so people know, um, I, I my list was a Sildor with a horse, the ring, and a shield. So you could drop the, the 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 horse if you need to, and just get the ring on if you come up against something particularly scary, uh, or if you need to jump through the lines to catch someone. I put uh, a Numenorean captain with a horse, a lance, armor, and shield, and ten warriors of Numenor with shield. So five in each warband uh, was the idea. Um, so I thought my idea was send the big hitters forward, smash stuff, and then um, hopefully the the Numenoreans come in. Um, take a, a bit of the pressure off and just shield until the the two big hitters do their job. Um, I don't know what David did with it. I mean, it sounds like he's not done it right. <laughs> um, no, David did it perfectly. Um, he actually probably gave me the probably the most nail biter game at the tournament I had, which for round one was kind of kind of saying something. Um, it was really tricky because he we were playing the uh, destroy the supplies mm-hmm. uh, mission. Uh, I had the option uh, for deployment, so I decided to put uh, the long play long way, so it was a bit narrower than normal. But it was a really interesting game because I was actually on the back foot for I reckon ninety percent of that game, uh, simply because David got this. It was it was a absolutely gorgeous move. He got this really sneaky move in with his captain, where he managed to get back around, get onto the objective, and then managed to position perfectly one warrior in between a gap so i couldn't get any elves through and then uh yeah i basically failed the clutch roll on my um on my sentinel to kind of push this captain off the objective and then the captain went boom all right it's two objectives to three balls in your court kylie and i'm like okay um i need to figure something out here um and basically the game turned down to trying to 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 dissuade a sealed door from going in because one of the really cool thing about uh galadrum galadrum mm. pikemen is uh they can spear support which means they're not affected by the ring so i was able to do these really sneaky things when a sealed door went in um throw a pikeman in behind uh his combat to kind of stall him out of it 
And then eventually I managed to chip enough wounds off the captain and get a really sneaky heroic combat to just slingshot um, a couple of my um, archers for towards uh, David's objective. And then it became a stall game. Mm-hmm. Um, shielding for the life of me uh, because uh, strength five and strength four really hurt. Basically, anytime I lost a combat, uh, a dude died. And that was that was getting getting really close towards the end. I had like a Gladrum court, like holding up two guys. But eventually I managed to hold off just long enough to get my models onto David's objectives, blow them all up, finally going all in on the on the um on the remaining dudes and just you know, wipe out the remaining Numenorians and end the game before David could block the last two objectives. Wow! So it, it sounds like <clears throat> so it sounds like my uh, my list wasn't too bad, but it was defeated no, by the the high the high fight value. Yeah, oh. David piloted it really really well. I I was I was keeping kind of tabs on him throughout the tournament, kind of wanting to see how it, how it went, uh, and he was doing really good things with it. Um, the problem he kept finding himself in though was he didn't have enough models to either capture objectives mm. or do delaying actions. Um, and that's that's part of the thing. Yes, the captain can go in and kill a lot of dudes, but if the opponent has more models than you, which a lot of the time they did, and mind you, a lot more models at 300 points is three to four. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it was enough that it hurt David in the long run, I think. Ah, uh, that's interesting. So, so- I guess yeah. Here I did spend seventy-five points on a captain um, with all the all the kit, which di- I knew that this was going to be a risky maneuver um, because I knew it would end up leaving me a bit down on numbers. But if I'd have put a sealed or given him given him an extra five uh, warriors uh, to fill out his warband, the, the concern I then had was what do I do with the the net, the rest of the I think it was what would be thirty points. So. And that, that was, I guess, a banner. Yeah, yeah, I just, just thought of it there. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that's interesting. Um, so five extra guys and a banner, and suddenly you've got a sealed door, banner, a 15 warriors and Numenor. And yeah, that could, that, that could be quite good. That could be good. So, but, okay. And you've got some real, real, real threat there with that force. Interesting. Interesting. Well, so, so you wouldn't, what was the score in the end with this, this first game? Uh, the first game I think ended up being, it was, it was a high total for both of us because David got two objectives. So it was like something like eight, four or eight, five or something like that. Um, yeah, the last half of the game kind of like blurred out a bit, um, because, uh, other shenanigans on other tables were happening. Um, that were yeah let's let's just push shenanigans were happening on other tables um, oh right interesting distracted by what was going on there um but yeah it was it was a close game um and in particular it stalled out colorborn a bit which i was getting worried a bit about because the tie breaking points was kills by done by leader across the whole tournament and uh colorborn at that point was on one kill so Ooh, yeah uh, I was like, oh, I got the win, but I didn't, I didn't net any tie-breaking points, so I was kind of all in to get to get wins from that point in. Okay, so it's looking good for Kylie after the first game. Not so great for David and myself and the Numenorians. What about elsewhere in the field, though? Uh, I've been speaking to Jacob Lucas from the YouTube channel Conquest Creations, uh, another Australian, and of course also down at Minimize. Uh, if you haven't checked out his YouTube channel, do check it out. There's some lots of great battle reports on there and some top 10 lists which i love and 
and I've been catching up with him about how he got along at the tournament as well. So my army was Thror and 15 Guardians of the King, which are Grimhammers with a one-point upgrade that gives them strength four. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're actually very good, aren't they, those guys? That's really good. That's really good. So, yeah, 16 models. You've got throwing weapons. Um, you've got a very high defense. You've got a strike um, on your, your leader. You've got defense nine on your leader. You've got fate. This is this is, this is is pretty good list. I like the sound of this. Um, and the army what? bonus is that Thrall counts as a six-inch banner. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, this is brutal. So, yeah, it's it was really good. It was very slow. Everything's five inch move without March, um, mm -hmm. but it makes up for that in durability and hitting power. Amazing, I love it. So, to so walk me through it, how did it all? Uh, first game, I went up against um, Ben, and he was playing a Moria army. Mm -hmm. uh, he took Druzag with one giant spider, one bat swarm, a Wag Marauder, uh, and then a bunch of goblins and a captain with a bunch of goblins. It was a cool list. Uh, we were playing, ooh, what's it called? Destroy the Supplies, I think it is. Ooh, yeah, yeah it's a new one, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think I, he went in aggressive with his um, Batswarm and Spider. Um, so I used Thraw, he called a Heroic Strike, and I managed to kill the, the Batswarm and the Spider pretty early. Um, and then took down the Wag Marauder with a throwing weapon um, and just split that off. The reason that I did that was because... Um, I'm super slow, and those models are all really fast, and they'll be able to get to my back objectives, destroy the supplies. You've got three objectives that you have to protect and three objectives that you have to destroy on the enemy side. Um, so managed to take down those those threats to the objectives, and then Grimhammers just have so much staying power. When I have a higher fight, I have a banner, and I wound him on fours or fives, and he wounds me on sixes. It's just mm -hmm. tough to stand up to them, especially with Thrower. Um, running around, taking out two goblins a turn. Um, so I won that one. I think it was 8-2 in the end. He ended up getting one of my back objectives because he called a heroic combat. Um, I was expecting him to try to go for Thrall, but he didn't. Instead, he um, ran towards the objective, which was definitely the right choice. Um, and I think I had eight points in the end because I got two of his objectives and got his leader and broke him. Um, it was a good game. I think I came out uh, definitely well on top in that one. Um, but yeah, I think it was a good matchup for me in terms of Grimhammers are good at taking out goblins. Yeah, um, I mean, in a straight fight, I guess the Grim, Grimhammer wins more often than not. Uh, you've got the fight value, the strength, you've got the throwing weapons as well. I, I, I guess he outnumbered you, but then I guess with a, uh, with a bat swarm, that's quite a lot of points. Yeah, and I think that if I was Ben, I would have definitely played the bat swarm and the spider differently. Um, mm. Because as important as it is to kill the dwarves, it's much more important to get the objectives. And the Bat Swarm uh, is just such a good model for taking objectives, um, especially because these are the ones where you just have to end your turn in base contact with it and not have fought in combat, and then it's destroyed. Um, and the Bat Swarm could have just waited somewhere, and as soon as I made a mistake or lost a dwarf that was defending, could just go in and tap it and then get the next one in the next turn. So. I was really happy when he went in with that and tried to kill stuff um, because it meant that uh, I could deal with that threat. And instead of it killing stuff, I killed it and then it wasn't going after my objectives. So very good start for me there. So Jacob Lucas there. Okay, so with that in mind, I think it's about time we got on with game number two for my team, the Numenorians. So let's catch up with David. Game number two, we came in against uh, Ben. 
Ben is the local talent. Uh, he's a member of the MESBG Association. Uh, for your international listeners, that's Mumbok Emerald Shed-based gaming. Uh, <laughs> they're a big deal in the Mumbok Emerald Shed-based region. So he had a Moria list. Uh, he had Druzag, he had a Spider, a Bat, a Wag Marauder, generic captain, and then just as many goblins as he could fill into the list. Oh, how many goblins was that then? Because there's some um, high-price ticket, high-ticket items there. I think it was it was in the higher twenties. I think oh, wow. from memory, it was it was quite a few goblins. Like the captain didn't have any extra equipment. The idea was pile of goblins to keep you busy, while the bats and the spider, or well, the one bat, but it was a swarm of them, <laughs> yeah. and the giant spider, which was the smaller of the two spiders. But yeah, so the mission was a move on from the edge randomly and run towards the middle. Mm-hmm. I believe in the UK you call that hold ground? Yes, I believe so. That's what it's called in the book, I believe, yeah. Yes. Uh, we had to come up with ridiculous nicknames for them because no one in Australia could remember the difference between hold ground and high ground uh, uh, back, yes. back in the day. So we called them start on the edge and run to the middle or start in the middle, stay in the middle. Okay. So we started on the edge uh, and then we ran towards the middle. The goblins all came on on a fairly concentrated block. They push forward, we push forward. We're on a fairly dense Osgiliath board. Uh, lots of tight little alleyways, lots of second stories for bats to land on. Mm. Um, but Ben got overconfident. He pushed up his Wag Marauder and his Spider to block one of the alleys, and he positioned them so they were within line of sight of a bunch of our new Minorians, but out of line of sight of the big two heroes that were coming around the other way. So he's like, great, you can't charge me. But he forgot that he had won priority that turn. So the big heroes moved up to where they could see, and next turn when priority was rolled, his spider and his marauder were a little bit too far forward, so they weren't caught by the heroic move. So they got caught flat-footed, and in the first turn of combat, we were able to come in, catch them from both sides, killed the Warg, couldn't get the guys on top, but more importantly, Hirok combated off the spider into the bat. Ah, uh, you see, so, that, was, that was what I was planning, you see. It was all lulling them into a sense of false security. That's, that's, the, that's, it that's was, a good move. It was brilliantly done. You left 40 mil base sizes. You had your vectors lined up so you could pull models out of the combat using the Hirok to fit a 40 mil base through. Harry, it was brilliant. You, you learned from all your mistakes in the first game. <laughs> well, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. The only problem was uh, there was then 20-something goblins on the centre objective and it was just a matter of grinding them off. Isildur went into them and he killed two or three a turn. Uh, the Numenorians quickly found that they couldn't fight the goblins in dense terrain uh, because the goblins were getting two dice because they had spears against one for them. So we effectively formed a line along the edge of the dense terrain trying to coax them to come out, and they formed a line on their side of the dense terrain trying to coax us to come in, uh, while Isildur just killed three a turn. And, and that's good. That's, that's exactly what I'd hoped the, the Numenorians would do, uh, that, you know, stand and shield while the, while the big boys do all the work. That was, that was mm-hmm. the aim of the, the, the army, really. And it worked well in this case. Uh, the captain, unfortunately, there was too much terrain, so he lost his charge bonuses going after Druzag. Um, this was on that key turn when we killed all the spiders, so Druzag couldn't cast up his magic. Um, but mm. the captain lost his horse uh, to a nasty Druzag. 
Um, so he spent most of the game just sort of wandering around the ruins trying to punch people with his strength five and not quite managing it. Ah, well, a bit of a disappointment from the cap- captain. But uh, how did this end then? Uh, what, what was the end result? So we got to the end conditions. The game ended. We counted the models on the middle. There was eight surviving goblins. There was eight surviving good guys. Ooh. It was a draw on the main condition. But if there's only eight surviving goblins, we've broken them. Aha. So we won the game on the break. Excellent work. So a very narrow victory, but a victory nonetheless, David. Yes. Uh, Unfortunately, margin of victory is important in Minimize. So it was a victory, but it wasn't quite that big sweeping success we'd wanted. Well, I'll take a victory when I can get a victory, if I'm honest. So uh, a, a minor victory at Minimize here for game number two against the Goblins uh, and their monsters uh, in support. Um, so, so next, we've got, so we've got two more games left. So we've got a, a, another yes. singles match and a doubles match. That is correct. Alrighty then, and we'll carry on with those two matches in a short period of time. But first, I think it's time to catch up with some of our Entmoot correspondents. So we've had Jacob and Kylie already uh, reporting from the field uh, at Minimize. But um, it just so happens, game two for both of them came up against one another. So in another one-on-one recreation of the uh, the battle report, I think it's interesting to, to get nuances from both sides again uh, as to how this game ended up and uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, Jacob is a little bit generous uh, in his uh, in his discussion of this because it sounds like Kylie gets a bit lucky. Let's hear from Jacob first and then from Kylie. Definitely well well over 20 or 30 tournaments that she's won now. She had Kelleborn with Taviyama Shields and Elven Blade with six guards of Gladrum Court the fight six pikemen yeah. um, and then I think it was four archers, a sent, or maybe three archers, a sentinel, and then a couple warriors with shields. Um, and we were playing hold ground, so maelstrom deployment. We both only had one warband, so the maelstrom deployment wasn't too big of a deal because we were all together anyway. Yeah. Um, I one priority. I came in. She put me in one of the corners because I didn't want to spend the might to boost it up because the might's pretty important when I've only got three of it. Uh, and then I put her in the corner just next to me. Um, but the elves are faster than the dwarves, unfortunately. Move six makes a big difference. Um, and she just took every single bow shot that she could and was pulling Grimhams around with the sentinel. Managed to kill four of them with shooting. Um, needing sixes to wound, I thought that was a very... Um, not not that likely that that was going to happen. Um, and then got into combat and just... Um, I needed to engage because I was losing models to shooting, but maybe I should have been a bit more sure of myself and not rushed in um, and lost another Grim Hammer to shooting, but really been set up properly. So I rushed in, um, did manage to kill quite a few of them, but only with throwing weapons. I don't think, I think I won one fight the whole game just because the pikemen, if they're in a one-on-one, they can shield because I've got the wood elf spear rule, which is pretty cool. Um, And then other than that, they were stacking attacks and had the fight value, Um, but still managed to break her just with throwing weapons, which was, pretty nice um, well, you've got a lot of throwing weapons in that list so and, and i guess yeah. relatively low defense on the elves yeah needing fives to wound is uh fives or sixes uh, the gladrum court i think were fives mm. um and that uh that meant that i knew that if i was charging in i wasn't going to count any model i was assuming that i was going to lose all the fights because she's got the five value on the attacks um 
So just had to leverage my throwing weapons, and it just goes to show how good Grim Hammers are, that even when they're being outfought, they still have an aggressive option. Um, and then ended up, I think that was 6-1 at the end of the game. Might have been 6-0. 6-1 because I broke her. Um, going her way. So that was a loss for me. Um, so at that point, I was one win, one loss. Um, but I'm okay with losing to Kylie because she definitely she played it really, really well. Um, and I think that she got a couple key roll-offs, but nothing. Like, can't put her up to the dice rolls. There. It was, she leveraged it really, really well. I very rarely say dice rolling um, makes or breaks a game. It's it's generally what you've done up to the point where the dice rolls have come out a certain way um, for it to for, for you to have lost on dice rolls. I I'd like to redact that statement because oh my god, I rolled my way out of this game. Um, <laughs> I got so many so many kills where I probably didn't deserve them. Um, I was up against Jacob's Grim Hammers, so he had Thraw and fifteen Grim Hammers or something. Something ludicrous, 15 or 14 Grimhammers. So these are guys with throwing weapons, high strength, and they can as being in range of a banner when they're near thrall. So when I came into this game, I'm like, all right, we're playing the mission where we have to run to the middle. Um, I think it's whole ground. And I am outnumbered going into this game. Okay, this is going to make things interesting. I can't fight him head up. I'm going to see if I can get four kills early with um, shooting. And hopefully that will be enough to 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 for me to actually run onto the objective and actually grab it. I get the four kills from shooting, which was yay. And then the Grim Hammers go into range with their throwing weapons and killed two of my elves. And I was like, shit. Um, and I started at that point started panicking because Thraw had finally uh, had actually managed to win the roll off and got in in front of Caliborn. So I was kind of going, uh, I really wanted Caliborn kind of go. Enchanted blades into Grim Hammers and just try and kill dudes because that was that was at that point my win con was get rid of the throwing weapons. I don't care about thrall. I have fight six shielding. I can stall him out long enough that he's not going to make a huge dent in my army. Mm. And then dice rolls started to happen. So there's a couple of times when I had one on one combats or two on one combats that I was winning straight up um, against me and then just rolling a flat six to wound just out of nowhere. Like there's a couple of obviously where I managed to get trapped from sentinel pools and stuff, but for the most part, fighting front to back, you would expect the dwarves to be a bit more resilient than losing, you know, two to three dwarves every turn. I think there was one turn where I killed like five or six Grimhammers, which was third of his army in a single turn from only one model being trapped. Like I was mm -hmm. expecting one, maybe two kills that turn, ended up walking away with five and I kind of sat there scratching my head going, Okay. Um, all right. Stacks on, boys. Uh, let's try and seal this game out. But even still, even with all that amazing rolling, um, there was a point where I had to make a choice of do I play for the next turn or do I play for this turn and try and end the game? Because I was in this awkward situation where I wasn't quite on the objective and wasn't quite not because of how the terrain was playing out. So I ended up going, all right, I'll play for the next turn overkilled the dwarves to the point where I brought them down a quarter way too quickly than I was expecting. And I was lucky that the dice roll came up five, went another turn. And at that point I had, you know, something like, I think it was like uh, seven or eight elves to three dwarves left. It was kind of a forlorn conclusion and the game ended on the next turn. So it was like, there, there were some real moments in that game where 
if it was if my rolling had been a little bit worse and Jacob's rolling been a little bit better, it would have completely changed the landscape of the game. That's really interesting though, because um, uh, Jacob's on the stream earlier and he, he did mention the, this game, um, and he sort of he. he he kind of half half mentioned that that there were some good roles on your side, but um, he did compliment your play style. He said that uh, that you 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 put things in the right places to to benefit from those dice rolls. So I think uh, you know you, you may you may say you've rolled your way out of it, but obviously you you you've done something else to to manage to put yourself in the right positions. Yeah, I mean. I'm not going to do silly moves like uh, walk into a river and fight in the river against Grimhammers or something silly like that or uh, position myself in such a way where my opponent's going to get, you know, a full round of throwing weapons at me. But the, it was the fact that it was like front to front, shield wall to shield wall, two dice to two dice, one dice to one dice, and me throwing one or two dices to wound and getting sixes, not just one combat, but three or four combats consecutively, and it was that constant doing wounds when you were expecting the dwarves to kind of hold out a little bit longer because i think like getting getting a six on two dice is only roughly around 25 percent or something like that it's not great odds but to get it consistently across multiple combats that's what uh it gave me a window to go in and really punish it, basically. Credit where credit's due there for Kylie's honesty in saying she basically rolled her way out of that game. I'm sure there was more to it than that. And as Jacob said, uh, she really did leverage those titles to her advantage um, in his review. But uh, interesting to hear those two perspectives back-to-back game two at minimising Australia. Um, so let's carry on. Let's carry on with, with the progress of the Numenoreans. We've got Isildur and the captain of Numenor and the ten guys wading in the wing ready to play their third game here's david and myself chatting it through so your third match uh was i'm just trying to run through the missions in my head there are five objective markers when you tag one of the objective markers it becomes yours until the Capturing opponent ta- control yeah yes control. or weird domination as it's referred to locally <laughs> so capture and control against uh the other david who was present uh and he had the survivors of lake town uh Ooh. he had a captain of some form, a militia captain, uh, the lady who gives them all lances, Hilda the, Hilda. yes, that small child who gets free heroic combats, yeah, and the two other me. small children. So um, those are the three small children. That's interesting. So this is a, a this has got a lot of heroes in that are stacking some quite useful special uh, special rules. Yes. So five heroes and then piles of warriors. I actually lost count of how many warriors were in this list. Okay. There was a fair number of them. The way you're setting it up sounds like you're saying this is an unbeatable army list. Um, how did you fare? We got lucky. We deployed hard on the center line with some big-looking heroes. Um, we had our warriors along the, f- the very center line, the heroes just behind them, so that the enemy couldn't deploy on the center line and pin our cav. Uh, and the opponents saw that, and they decided to deploy back a little. So on turn one, we were able to move forward and tap three of the objectives, uh, push past them, as it were. Uh, so that gave us a strong commanding start. Excellent. Unfortunately, um, I'm used to playing armies with three warbands, so I forgot I didn't have a third warband to drop back onto our base objective, which was most embarrassing. But it lured our opponent into a false sense of security. Because oh, they, thought they, were playing, they thought they were playing someone who didn't even know how many warbands they had. Ah, uh, you see, see, this is this is the exact exactly the kind of tactics I like. Uh, you know, 
lulling people into false sense of security. I, I, that's what I've been doing over the last few years in tournaments here in the UK. I've just been playing really badly, not doing very well, and then uh, this coming year, I'm going to show them truly how how scary I am, and then then they'll yeah they'll be caught unawares. That's how it's done. Um, you may have heard on the Green Dragon they make jokes about Matt quite often. Mm-hmm. The reason being, he lost a lot of games. And then, ooh, which year was it? Let me check my records. In 2015, uh, he won Minimize. Just yeah. straight out, took out first. 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019, he took out second. Uh, he just came out of nowhere and just started sweeping up trophies. Um, the only explanation we have is he was always very good, and he was just watching us, studying us, and then one day he struck. Almost like the the aliens in War of the Worlds have been just studying the planet until they they cr- crash out of the ground and take us. Excellent. Like That's it. the one. Um, so okay, so less distraction, more 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 battle reports. So uh, of what, course, what was course. happening? What was happening? I'm, I'm eager so, to find out. So our opponent uh, split his force basically into three. He put a third into each of those centre objectives, remembering to hold one model back to tap his own objective. Uh, this meant that he didn't have a hero uh, with his group on, we'll call it the right flank, our right. So I got a bunch of our Numenorians and I sent it to that flank which didn't have the hero. Um, and it turns out Numenorians against Lake Town on roughly even numbers uh, comes out in Numenor's favour. So we were able to sweep, we were able to sweep his models off that flank, and then push those models that we'd sent there back into the middle to try and recontest the middle. Nice. Um, at the same time, uh, Isildur went straight into the centre block of guys to try and be a big distraction. He called a heroic combat. He killed a couple of guys. He swung into the militia captain and then into Bane with his heroic combat. Uh, he had to burn. Two might to win the fight again because he Ah. loves rolling fours to win big hero fights. Um, At this point, we decided we could either go after the militia captain because he was worth a couple of VP for being the army leader. Mm. But my opponent told me that Bane had strike and Bane had free heroic combats and Bane had all these other buffs stacked on him. Um, I'm not really up to date on the uh, Hobbit army lists, so I just assumed anyone with that many buffs was a threat. Uh, so we took out Bane with our heroic combat. I think that sounds like a wise move. Yeah, he he's got a lot of little tricks up his sleeve, so I can I can I can understand that decision. I was really hoping to take out both, um, but the dice decided no. Taking out one was sufficient. We didn't want to, you know, get too cocky. Okay, fair enough. Uh, at the same time, your captain went down the other flank and did absolutely nothing. Um, it sounds he like lost my captain's fight- been pretty poor so far. He lost fights against Militia. He lost fights against, you know, Sigrid and Tilda. Uh, he lost... F- he, he just hung around, effectively. Um, I think he did, win a, he did win one fight all game, and he managed to kill... I think it was the older of the two um, girls... But that wasn't much, considering he's this mighty Numenorean captain at strength five, fighting unarmed civilians. I was going to say, yeah, this, this, one sounds, of them. this sounds like a poor effort that he managed to successfully kill a teenage girl, and that's it. Yes, and and he lost the objective uh, to boot. Ugh. Everything's coming apart. 
but those Numenorians that we'd sent round to the right flank swept back into the left and smote the enemy with a grievous slaughter. Um, strength 4 against defense 4, it's the place to be. We, we remembered to pull one of those guys back to tag our own objective. So when the game ended, we managed to, on the last turn, slip one of our guys past onto his back objective because 3x4s are very small boards. Yeah. So that gave us our objective, his objective, the right objective. He, on the last turn, pushed in Alfred and contested the centre objective while he had the left. So it was 3-1. to one. We had broken him. I think we even got the leader wound. So this, Harry, this was the big points victory that you wanted. Yeah, so we've got a major victory under the belt, finally. Yes, so we've got a major victory, a minor victory, and one that we don't talk about much. Yeah, that's true. Well, this is good progression, though. You start start with a, a loss, and then a minor, and then a major. This is good. And you've even skipped out the draw, which no one really wants. So this is good. Excellent. Looking good going into the final round, which is like a doubles round, where uh, depending on your position in the leaderboard, you partner up with your sort of opposite at the opposite end of the table. So number one partners up with last, uh, second partners up with second last, and so on. But before we get into that with David, uh, let's catch up again with Jacob and Kylie with their third round games. Jacob first. Round three was um, capture and control. So five objectives, and you can tag the objective, and then it's yours. I was happy with this matchup. I came up against the Rangers of Attilian Legendary Legion. Now, a lot of people really, I hear people in Europe always talking about how at low points, it's so powerful. Uh, it's so powerful if you're not fighting against Grimhammers, I reckon. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And also, maybe 300 points is a bit too low to get your full uh, advantage out of it, because I suppose once you've got Faramir... You may be getting, I don't know, 15? How many many, uh, shots were you looking at? He had 18 models in total. Uh, One of them was a Minas Tirith warrior with banner. Um, (laughs) So he had Faramir, a bunch of rangers, a banner, and Madril with a bunch of rangers. Um, So he had 18 models with two heroes. I had 16 models with one hero. Mm -hmm. and capturing control, so I set up on the center line, knowing that I need to rush forwards and get into combat with him as quickly as I can. And he set up um, back, so just at his objective, which I understand that he did that for the um, to get his shooting and to leverage that, but it was just not the scenario to do that because it meant that I tagged four of the objectives turn one, um, so I had a huge advantage there, mm-hmm. um, and it meant that I was in in the lead and then running forwards to him to meet him there and then he was going to have to push through my lines to get back to them. Ain't nobody uh, going to push through a, a Grimhammer line either. <laughs> so true against Defence 7 troops, that's not going to work, is pretty it? Pretty tough wall to crack. And so I ran forward, and I would get a few throwing weapons. Um, so my throwing weapons, if I moved, I've hit, I'm hitting on fives and then wounding on fives. So about one in nine will kill. And he had 18 shots, um, hitting on threes, which is pretty good. So let's say 12 hits, and then needing a six by four. So I actually killed more of his models with shooting with my throwing weapons than he killed of mine with his range of Athelion because the defense seven, six mm-hmm. by four, that's just so solid. Um, so I rush forwards, uh, throwing as many throwing weapons as I can. Um, and he, he did have a couple little barriers here and there, um, keeping them safe. And I uh, went in with Thrall and then he ran around the barriers so that he could try to avoid me. Um, but then I got a heroic move roll off, so he wasn't able to run away. And I, I managed to tie up Faramir. Thor's good at killing Faramirs, that's for sure. Um, and fighting against the Rangers, 
it was so we have the same fight value but they kill me on sixes and i kill them on fours um so it was just i was taking as many one-on-ones as possible because the odds of me killing him were three times higher than the odds of him killing me so i'll take that every single day of the week that's um that was very good odds i managed to take his back objective uh, and my one of the objectives on the center line was in a forest and he sent madrill and a couple warriors and i had a few grim hammers there um but they've got the woodland creature. I was moving two and a half inches. So I managed to trap and kill a few of the Grim Hammers on that side. And then he tried to get the center objective. Um, but by the time he got there, Thrall was back there. Um, and I think he might've ended up with that contested. Um, so it would have been eight to two in the end of that game. And I managed to kill Faramir, kill the banner. I think he only had a handful of models left at the end of that game. Uh, and I lost a few Grim Hammers. Um, but that was a perfect matchup for my army. Yeah, and it sounds like it. And, and they've got such a low defense that um, the, the, the strength three throwing weapons, your strength four guys, uh, everything's really working to your favor there. And your high defense is going to be really tough for him to crack through. Yeah, exactly. And then Thrall being a six inch banner as well is incredibly powerful. Just all the troops around him are so consistent, um, especially at 300 points, not a lot of people were taking banners um so having 300 having that as my army bonus um was so yeah. good jacob lucas there from conquest creations and now let's catch up with kylie from the green dragon we want to find out how her third game went your top tables what, what's going on who up, against? up against my good friend tim who mm-hmm. in probably the past 18 months 12 months has absolutely come into his own as a player he, he has been absolutely phenomenal. I've been kind of like showing him some really advanced tricks and in like high-level concepts to kind of get your head around like surface area and positioning and stuff like that. And he's been taking that all to heart and just been playing out of his mind. Um, so I was I was worried going in because I was up against uh, Lurtz's Legion, um, the, his scouts. So he had Lurtz, Malher, and a whole bunch of dudes. And I was just like, I looked at it and went, Man, if there's an army that can that has the tools to beat me, this this is this is it. Like he outmaneuvers me. Yeah, he, he he's on par with shooting, um, and he's got he's got two of the best value heroes in the game, basically. So I was I was worried. Went in. We got the uh, the tag one, the one uh, capture and control. Mm-hmm. So it was it was an interesting interesting setup. Um, there was this really awkward building on the ta- or awkward ruin on the table. Uh, I had my sentinel inside it with a couple of dudes, and I, my plan was, I'm going to bottleneck both entrances to the to, to the ruin, and force, uh, kind of force out the Uruks and 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 buy some time that way. Timmy had the opposite idea. He had, I'm going to go into that. I'm going to kill the two guys in the entryway to that ruin, and absolutely demolish Kylie and create an opening through the ruin and march back into the center. So it was it was an interesting interesting plan for both of us. Mm-hmm. But at the last moment, Tim Tim saw uh, saw an opportunity to go into Caliborn, and he took it. And I saw him go for it, and I'm like, wasn't expecting him to go for it here, but I'm not entirely unhappy that he has. And then the dice rolls hit the table, and we both rolled four high. And I'm thinking to myself. Timmy, you 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 need to spend your might here to get me out of might because if you let me go to strikes here with two might available, 
I'm probably going to kill Lurtz because I chipped and wound off him earlier from shooting. Mm. And Timmy ended up going, nah, I think I can tank it. He doesn't spend the might to take out my might. And Caliborn goes in and just goes, huh, a set of fours, two points of might and a reroll. Decapitated Lurtz in one go. And at that point, that kind of set the tone for the game. Um, Malher was coming around the flank and made a very similar position where he dived in on a whole bunch of uh, elves, forgetting, of course, that I had Sentinels. So I moved his guy out of the way, charged and trapped uh, um, Malher and got the decapitating strike on Malher. So I killed both his heroes, but the problem was I wasn't on the objectives. So Timmy had four four of the five objectives, and I was kind of going, how am I going to get these back before... Timmy breaks and ends the game. And it was it was this weird game of Timmy trying to run away and get things to die and me charging things to shield them so that they wouldn't die so I could get to the objectives. So it was, it was a game where I think I played my hero better than Tim played his hero, but he played his troops better than I played my troops. But um, in the end, uh, with a few couple of tricks, I, I think I came out just enough ahead to kind of seal the deal because there was, there was a moment where if the dice roll had have landed on a one or a two and entered the game early, Timmy would have uh, either walked away with a win or walked away with a draw. Oh, wow. So this is, that's an interesting that you say about the, the usage of heroes. And I've, this has always been a, a, a tip I've had to, to new players that, um, I mean, I, you know, I'm not a, no professional, but learning, le- learning how to use your heroes is probably the most important to, uh, sort of trick you can you can learn when playing and learning how to be good at the game is is maximizing the potential of those heroes because that you put all your points into them they've got all the resources and if you don't quite maximize that then you can really end up uh, you can really end up wasting the potential of a of a really good army and I guess that's a, a fine example is using Celeborn to its um, yeah fullest there because hmm. one one thing I found with Caliborn during the course of this tournament is he's really good at grinding out um, enemy heroes because he has such high defense, uh, reliable um, reliable attacks with three attacks and the Lord of the West. And if you are lucky enough to have a banner, mm-hmm. um, he gets up to five attacks and the pikemen can get him up to seven. Like he's just so reliable mm-hmm. uh, front to back. And he has a he has a different role within a list than other heroes because most other heroes will take him out or have some sort of maneuverability options or, or be able to manipulate your opponent's ability to move. Yeah. Calamon doesn't really have that. So he's just kind of there to rely on his DPS. But the trick that I've been finding a lot is how much he relies on the uh, Enchanted Blades. I have a newfound respect for Enchanted Blades and how amazing that special rule is because, holy crap, that spell can get you out of some jams and, like, there's been criticism that Gladrum doesn't have DPS and ways of dealing dealing with high defense heroes. I I reckon that's completely null and void. Uh, there are trade offs to get the the two wounds in, but if you know how to use two handed weapons and know how to use enchanted blades, you can crack just about anything. What what's DPS? Uh, damage per second. Sorry, I play oh, yeah, a lot yeah. of like Warcraft and stuff back in the day. So whenever it's like dealing damage or being able to deal wounds, I always call it DPS. That makes sense. No, no, I, I, I get that. I get it now. Yeah, you say, yeah, yeah DPS. Uh, sometimes I, I, I wonder. You've got so many analogies and acronyms and all these sort of things in. in the, I apologize. In, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be super conscious about which ones yeah. I'm using on this stream because I'm like, 
This is not the Green Dragon. Not everyone has a dictionary in front of them to understand my lingo. Keep it, keep it simple. And I'm like, I'm getting ahead of myself again. Gotta love a Green Dragon acronym, haven't you? DPS there, uh, damage per second. Apparently, uh, well, probably more uh, known if you're a big a fancy gamer, uh, which clearly I'm, uh, I'm not much of. Or certainly I've never played one that says that anyway. But anyway, uh, moving on. So we've had the final singles game of Minimize and we're left with just one game. I mentioned earlier you sort of partner up with someone at the opposite end of the table. So um, let's catch back up with David for a final tally of how Minimize went and to see how it all ended up for my Numenorians and my Entmoot reporter, David Leonard, who also happened to be the organiser of the tournament. So in this case, Kylie was riding high on three wins and three big wins. Uh, so she partnered up uh, with Matt, uh, Matt T., who was running the Men of the West Legendary Legion. Turns out doesn't fare so well at 300 points. Are you talking about Matt T, who you said won or came second five years in a row at this play? This yes, yes. Right. He was running dead last at this point. Fall from uh, but he was, he was planning to submarine hard. He, he had a plan. Okay. Either that, or he's trying to lull us back into a false sense of security. It could I be see. a triple bluff. <laughs> so first and last team up, and they play against second and second last. Uh, you're actually in third place here. That big win last round, because yeah. margin of victory counted significantly, it actually swapped you up into third place. Um, okay. there, is there a potential for a, for a victory here if you win and Kylie loses? I say I win and Kylie loses. Uh, at this point, um, it would have had to have been a spectacular win, because Kylie was on three big wins. Uh, I don't yeah. think you could have taken Kylie, but second was definitely doable. Okay, okay. But So we were teamed up with those survivors of Lake Town from last time, uh, with David, and we were versing Jacob and the other Matt. Uh, so they had Thor, um, Thor's Legion, um, and what did the other Matt have? He had a bunch of the Rangers of... Rangers of Athelion, yeah. Yes, those fellows. Um, and the mission was a duel of wits uh, to determine who is right and who is dead. So this is the one where you and your ally deploy opposite each other. You both secretly note down an enemy hero to try and kill. Uh, we had a slight modification in this mission. Uh, you couldn't discuss tactics with your opponent, no, with your ally on turn one, but from turn two onwards, you could share information openly across the table to represent the army commanders just shouting at each other across the battlefield. Yeah, and, and I've played this one uh, once before in a previous podcast, Master and Commander podcast, and... Um, it's a bit of a tricky one because you because it's hard to hard to define what is sharing information and what is not and the rules sort of say you're not allowed to tell people uh, your um your ally what what sort of uh, stuff you're allowed to say but th- this it's it's hard because you can go oh well I'm going to go and kill this captain aren't I that sort of stuff yes so I figured in this case you had you could share the information from turn 2 if you wanted to but you had to share it openly so you could say, I'm going to kill this captain, but your enemies would hear that. But then your enemies would have to go, well, he knew that we would hear that. Mm. So is he really after that captain? Oh, and then you actually get the jewel of wits. I like it. I like it. So in this case, your options were to go after the, I think he's Defense Nine Dwarf with the Arkenstone. Didn't seem like a good target. Mm. Faramir or Madril. Now, in this case, Madril is the obvious choice. 
Yes. But it's also so obvious that surely Madril would never go near combat. Uh, mm, I like your logic here. So, so in like this a, you're, case... You're counting on them um, thinking that you're going to go for Madril. Yes. So in this case, I decided to go for Faramir um, because he seemed killable while being tough enough that he might actually see combat. Okay. So turn one, we push forwards into, again, a dense city board, um, and we make a beeline for the rangers to try and pin them in a corner. Uh, that would be behind this bell tower, so we're able to hide from most of their shooting for one turn, fan out around the bell tower, take one turn of shooting before we were on them. Uh, the uh, survivors of Lake Town also pushed towards them, uh, one of their warbands got stuck crossing a river, so it took a while to get there, um, while Jacob's Grim Hammer army just swarmed across the bridge with a pile of throwing weapons, so anyone who fell behind got throwing weaponed. Um, for some reason, our opponent decided that Madril was expendable, so placed him right up the front, uh, realised at the last moment what they'd done, got a single screen of rangers in front of Madril, uh, Isildur went in, heroic combat through them, took out Madril in the first turn of combat. Amazing. Um, so we might have played ourselves there, but oh well. Yeah, I guess if you'd chosen Magil, yeah, you'd have been absolutely fine. <laughs> yes, but in this case, we thought that we'd never get anywhere near Magil because it was so obvious, uh, but oh well. Unfortunately, the opponent knew that we knew that they knew that Magil was the obvious choice. So we, we pushed on towards Faramir, because he had a banner with him. And this is also the other, other banner mission, uh, which means the banner is worth two points. Uh, so we had to get to Faramir, we had to get to that banner. Um, unfortunately, the opponent knew that the banner was worth two points, and after they saw what happened to Madril, they hunkered down hard. They, they fell back into some terrain, they got some defences between them and me. Uh, the army of Lake Town crashed into the other side of them, uh, but wasn't doing a whole lot. Um, and then Thor and his Grim Hammers with the Strength 4 upgrade crossed the bridge. Uh, I had to send Isildur and some of his blokes off to try and slow them down, uh, while the captain, remember, the captain, he's been doing well so far, moved in against Faramir and the Banner. So we managed to get Bane in with his free heroic combat to try and launch the captain at Faramir. Uh, the problem is, uh, there was all these Lake Town guys in the way, and there was all these rangers in the way. So to actually get in, uh, we had to jump this barrier. Now, if we rolled a six on the jump, we would charge in, it would be glorious. If we rolled a two to five, we would be on the other side of the barrier and set up for next turn. So here we've got a really grand opportunity. Yes. So we've got a, a captain on a horse. Uh, all he needs, it's his time to shine. All he needs to do is make a roll of a two to six and uh, we'll be uh, jumping over, launching into combat, and saving the day. Unfortunately not. Uh, he rolls the one. So he loses his horse um, because what? he had botched some combats by this point and had had to spend the might to get to this point. Uh, so he loses his horse, and he's not across the barrier. That was actually the key point, being on the other side of the barrier, because that would have let us leverage... Uh, the opponent's defensive position, because we'd have had this captain on the other side of the barrier. Uh, as it is, we did not. Took us an extra turn to get across, and by that point, Faramir and his guys had reorganised. They'd smote a whole bunch of our Lake Town allies, uh, and things were looking grim. Looking grim. Uh, Hammer. Am I right? Alfred. Yes. Oh, they were. Oh, 
we lost, um, I'm sorry to say this, but we lost so many Numenorians to those throwing weapons. Um, they took out uh, Isildur's horse with throwing weapons that they just, they tore us apart. It was, we couldn't stop them. I'm sorry, but there's just nothing we could do. But the captain had a chance to redeem himself. Um, in the dying turns of the game, he managed to trap the Gondorian banner bearer. Uh, there was no one for it to pass to. We win the fight. We have four dice at strength five. We kill it. It's down. That's two VP swing. Excellent. Couldn't get the wounds. What? The captain just... Yep, the captain just... On five? Yeah. One five, because strength five against defense six. Two attacks, trapped, four dice. Couldn't do it. Oh, what a failure. Just couldn't do it. Uh, the game ends... It's just, it's just let us down. The game ends on the first time we roll it. And it's time to count up the VPs. Both sides broke. Uh, remember, if we we're in third place here, uh, like a draw would probably see us in third place. So we both sides broke. Um, no heroes were within uh, six inches of the middle because Faramir and the banner ran, and everybody followed them. And to clarify, we didn't uh, kill Faramir, did we? Yes, yes. So I couldn't touch Faramir. We never touched the dwarf. But we did kill Madril. So if our ally was after Madril, that's something. Turns out our ally had thought that since it was so obvious that I was going for Madril, that he would go for Faramir just so we didn't have all our eggs in the same basket. Uh, so none of us got any points for that. Oh, uh, so we both we both made the we made the error that uh, we both thought that some of the other one was going for Madril. Yes, because it was too obvious. You see. Ah, <sighs> failure. The dwarf player, Jacob, he had gone for the Lake Town captain, who they'd actually managed to trap a couple of times with these Strength 4 Grimhammers and just couldn't get a wound on him. Uh, so no points to Jacob. Excellent. We'll yes. That. But the ranger player had chosen Bane and managed to stick a single wound on him. Uh, so that, unfortunately, was a point their way. Uh, they had, we both had the break and they had the banner. So they snuck the win on us. Yeah, but it sounds like a very narrow loss, I'm right in thinking. Not, not many points scored. Yes, because they got the one point from sneaking a wound in, and they had that banner, which one five or four dice could have taken And, and if we'd, we'd killed the banner, if you'd killed the banner, I should keep saying, uh, then we'd have won? Uh, no, because we didn't have the banner. So that would have brought it back to a 2-1, um, but we'd had a number of shots at Faramir. Um, if our captain had done anything... Uh, we probably could have taken that one. Yeah, it sounds like this uh, captain was a bit of a waste of space for the entire tournament. Um, so talking about the entire tournament, um, how did we actually do? How did we all fare? So at the end of the tournament, on the first count of the scores, you were actually coming in fifth. Uh, so you were leading the second half of the pack, uh, which is quite a responsible position to be in. Indeed, indeed. Um, but unfortunately, this year I was actually trying out a new way of setting out my Excel sheets. Um, because it was a smaller tournament, I decided that this was the time to try out a new way of calculating round draws. Uh, that process worked, um, but I'd forgot to tie in some of the bonus points into the final calculation. Uh, so a recount was demanded. Oh. Uh, and when we went to the recount, you were actually in fourth place. Oh, this is So amazing. you made the top half off effectively two wins because the margin of those wins mattered and that third win was a big win 
Um, whereas a lot of other people, they were getting wins, but they were very small wins. So you were actually able to take fourth, the top half, one off a space on the ancient banner of Minimize. Wow. Which is probably actually something we should mention. If you'd managed third, uh, we do have a banner that uh, hangs around Victoria. Oh. Uh, if you if you podium at Minimize, you get your name on that banner. Oh. Um, it's got names on it dating back to, I think, 20... Uh, I've got to find it. It's too ancient. It's you know shrouded in the dawns of, of prehistory. Two thousand and nine. Wow, uh, and was I, the first minimize. And I could have had um, my name on that. Well, sort of. Anyway, uh, you and yes. you and me as a partnership. Well, uh, David, it's it's a shame that we didn't we didn't come to victory. But I like how you rigged the uh, the results, the draw at the end there, that meant that the the recount meant that you could finally pip yourself up into the top well, half I, with my eyes. I did have a problem here. Because it announcing the error, you know, does sort of show my TOing in a poor light. Mm. But it also managed to get you into fourth. So I had this moral dilemma. W- was my reputation more important than the reputation of the Entmoot? Uh, and in the end, I decided no truth had to out. Uh, and the Entmoot took fourth place. Huzzah! You you were an honourable man indeed. Um, so, uh, David, just just before we sort of wrap things up, and um, this army that I, I kind of came up with um, in thinking, oh, 300 points. It's an unusual uh, list um, figure for us, anyway. Certainly in the UK, I know you you play a fair amount in the uh, uh, down under, but um, since since 2009, indeed. Um, <laughs> what, so, um, what did you think to the army? I mean, it sounds like the captain massively underperformed, um, but. I know Kylie mentioned that uh, she wouldn't have perhaps included the captain in the first place. Yeah, the trick here is um, I didn't actually warn you about the 300-point meta in Victoria. Mm. There's two, there's three main styles of list. Um, the first two sort of blend together, and that's you take something big and then you just fill out its warband. So you get the dwarf hero with Arkenstone and 15 strength 4 Grim Hammers. You get Caliborn and all of his five six pikemen. So for the something big lists, the captain just doesn't cut it. At fight five with only two attacks, he doesn't really have a role against those sort of things. And Isildur by himself isn't enough to go up against them. Uh, he's got the ring, but once he puts the ring on, he's only three attacks with no knockdown. He can't kill Anything big enough that you need the ring is big enough that he can't kill it once he's on foot. Mm, um, that's a really good point. So, against that kind of list, I think an Elendil would have been the key. Drop the captain, upgrade Nizildor to Elendil, because he gains the fight seven, which would have been critical. Yeah. He gains the free horror combat, which is always nice, mm. and he gains the burly elven blade. Interesting. Uh, so... His ability to deal damage goes up. I think the other thing you really needed in this list was a banner. Because um, even if you drop down, if you drop the captain in for a Lendil, you would have to drop down to about eight warriors uh, to give one of them a, a banner. But that is then eight two attack warriors, um, which it just increases their survivability significantly. It allows them to contest in tight spaces, which when you've got those sorts of numbers, you need to. The other sort of army you come up against quite often is the let's pack as many goblins or survivors of Lake Town into 300 as you can. And in those situations, a free hero combat would have been glorious. Yeah, it, that's, that does sound like a really sensible move. I think um, 
Uh, yeah, uh, Kylie mentioned earlier on in the podcast um, that um, maybe dropping the captain and filling out an extra, basically filling out a sealed doors warband and dropping a banner in there would would have been enough, and you might even get a few extra bows and things like that as well. So you'd have a sealed door, fifteen guys uh, with shields. Um, a, a banner and maybe a few bows as well. So I think that that also could work. But I like the the Ellendale yeah. option. That sounds like it would have some killing potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the banner is just really key at this points level because uh, we were coming up against rangers and their base rangers had three attacks because they had a spear and a banner. Um, mm. And three attacks against one is just not a fair fight. Indeed. Well, well, David, it sounds like you piloted a slightly shoddy vehicle uh, with great uh, with great aplomb, really, because uh, although it's the, the captain failed at uh, a few occasions, you've managed to uh, achieve some great things with this Asildor list. And, and, and you, you did get two awards out of this, however. Oh, I got two awards. The first award, yes, the first award uh, was the Safe Passenger Award <laughs> uh, for not winning any of the other award-bearing, you know, awards that bore a certificate. Um, nice, I like that. With only eight, yes, with only eight players, I'm able to give out awards for not winning awards. So congratulations <laughs> there. Well, that's that's something at least. Thank you. Secondly, the tiebreaker, this one didn't have a certificate, I'm afraid, uh, was for the most wounds inflicted by the army's leader. Uh, over the course of the day, Isildur racked up 35 wounds on opposing models. Wow. Uh, we were keeping track of this by, you know, making little tally marks on our arms. Uh, by the end of the day, we had like a Doctor Who episode going on. <laughs> um, but you were actually equal with uh, Matt T, who's Aragon, uh, the king, also managed 35. Wow, that's amazing. So, so we claim... So the Numenorean blood is, is strong uh, uh, in, the, uh, in this kind of contest. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, and also, for getting your list in time, you won a special magic item. So if you manage to attend my Axel Sword event, which is the other event I run in a year, uh, you will get a special magic banner that you can equip to one of your heroes before you go into battle. Oh, wow. So I so, get a special, special gift for another tournament you're going to be running. Yes. Uh, that's how I get people to come to Axel Sword. I give them special magic items when they come to Minimize. Well, David, um, I'm, I'm very tempted to come along. You'll have to send me the details of that one. Uh, yeah. uh, maybe, maybe in proxy, maybe in the flesh. I don't know. Although there is a big okay. old pandemic and stuff, so I don't know whether we're still going to be able to uh, come along to Australia. But either way, David, um, thank you very much for inviting me um, to come along to Minimize or to submit a list at the very least um, and take part in this uh, uh, tournament by proxy. It's been an absolute pleasure and it's been great fun hearing um, all about it and and especially um, hearing about your successes and, and lack of success with the captain as well. Well, they were your successes as well, so thank you very much. I've had fun, so... Thanks for coming on, David. Hopefully we can do this again next year. I I, I will hold you to it. (laughs) Cheers. Excellent. Till then. Here's very much hoping that next year I would be allowed to go to Minimize, even if perhaps I don't buy the plane ticket this time round. Maybe in the future. I, I, I do have... I do have a, a strong urge to head down south, down under, uh, and go and visit one or maybe even two, depending on how, how close tournaments are together uh, in Australia. But it'd be lovely to go and um, you know do all the touristy stuff and slot in uh, a couple of uh, tournaments or at least one tournament at some point during it and play some games with people like Jeremy and uh, and Kylie and and Matt and uh, and David and Jacob Lucas and uh, Lockie from Zuppers Up Gaming while I'm all down there. It would be wonderful to do all that. 
We shall see. Maybe one day Entmoot will go down under, but it is not this day, sadly. Alas, we come now to the end of the podcast. Thank you very much for listening all the way through. Uh, it, this is a podcast that's taken nearly uh, well. It's been it's crossed two years. The the uh, the length of the podcast uh, has um, after uh, after snow and all these sorts of things have interrupted us here in the UK. But uh, I want to just add that you know 2020 has been an odd one for the podcast. Um, you know, I had a really strong run uh, throughout 2019. Uh, had loads of podcasts, loads of episodes, and I'm sure if you were if you were following eagerly you'd have you'd have really enjoyed those podcasts um but then of course it's been stuttering and so on throughout 2020 and i know that's been really annoying it's been especially annoying for me uh, not being able to go to the tournaments and bring you the reports that i always do i really really hope that happens again uh, with vaccines and things like that uh, hopefully it should mean that 2021 uh, means that tournaments are a possibility once more uh, even if it is still a couple of months off but once they do return i pretty much sure they'll return with a vengeance um even if uh, my lovely uh, lovely girlfriend louise uh, has got, grown used to me being here every weekend um i'm sure i'll be jetting off and at least visiting a few tournaments in 2021 with that in mind uh 2021 is now here tell me your hobby resolutions i'd love to hear them and feature them in the next episode uh, get in touch what is your hobby resolution what are you going to do more of this year are you going to paint more are you going to build more are you going to spend less money on the hobby or are you going to spend all of your money on the hobby what sort of things have you got in mind for 2021 um get in touch entmootpodcast at gmail.com i will return at some point in the not too distant future with another episode of entmoot thanks very much for listening to the first 30 episodes with that boorah